You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Humby Savetta. Hey, City Church, y'all want to stand up and worship with us? Come on. And your way and 
Man, I don't know about you guys, but that was one of my favorite shows ever. I mean, I was talking about this and, and just walking around the house just like grunting all week, just ah, 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 you know, just getting my grunt on. And it was so much fun. I wanted to give all the dads out there, all the, forget the dads, all the guys in here an opportunity to grunt like you were Tim the Toolman Taylor. And, and not only that, can, can we get like some blue lights on the stage here? I want you to feel like you're in the woods, like howling and grunting at the moon, just letting it all, do, you, know, you, you know what I mean? Like a primal grunt. I need you guys to do that for me. Y- y'all ready to, to do that? Yeah. All right, on the count of three, we're going to grunt like Tim the Toolman Taylor is in the middle of the woods just grunting at the moon. You ready? Okay. One, two, three. Ah, ha, 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 ha. There you go. So you didn't follow directions, so. Um, But as I was looking out there and I could see the guys grunting, I saw something going on. Jealousy in the eyes of the women. I saw it. So y'all are gonna get your opportunity to get your own grunt as if you were Tim the Tool Lady Taylor. All right, so Moon, we got the light. Y'all ready? On the count of three, ladies are gonna grunt. You ready? Okay, ready? One, two, three. Ah, 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 ah. That was good. All right, give you all guys a round of applause. That was fun. So for those of you that don't know what all this grunting is about and what the show that we just showed you is about, it was called Home Improvement. It had a pretty good run in the mid-90s to the late 90s, uh, and it was all about this guy right here that we got a picture of, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Uh, he was played by Tim Allen, who would do lots of cool things after this too, like Buzz Lightyear and, and Toy Story and all, all kinds of good stuff. Um, but this show was all about Tim hosting a TV show on, well, in a TV show, it's kind of meta, I know, but he did this and it was called Tool Time. And he was like a local celebrity in his area. And people knew him, not because he was like Bob Vila, you know, constructing these perfect, like this old homes or whatever, but he was like blowing things up on a regular basis and people kept on watching because uh, they wanted to see things blow up. And what was really interesting is, as you guys saw uh, in the clip, he was a really skilled craftsman. I mean, to put together that uh, extra power on the, the weed eater, that, that takes some real ability to be able to do something like that. I mean, not everybody can turn a weed eater into like a saw that can tear down a tree, right? That's real skill that he had there. But his great downfall was actually captured in his catchphrase which was more power, right? That's what he was all about. More power, more power, ah, 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 more power. That's what he did. And um, that was his downfall. But what we saw in it was the dishwasher wasn't strong enough. It had to like wash, you know, all the caked on lasagna. It had to like blow through the metal in in the pan, right? Uh, The vacuum cleaner needed to be able to pick up an entire bowling ball. Uh, The lawnmower needed a jet engine on it. That was like the power that he was doing on it. All very impressive, but all the wrong way to go about building things. I mean, he had all the right tools. He had the know-how, but he could only make them work towards one goal, which was more power. So what about us dads? Do we have all the tools that we need to be a good father? Do we know which tools to use in each situation in our life? 
And if we have all the tools and we know how to use them, or, and we know where they are, do we know how to actually use them when we have them? So before we get in all, into the tools and, and I start breaking all this down for y'all, for those men out here uh, that are here and you're not a dad, you're not a biological father, you don't have any stepkids or, or any uh, biological kids or adopted children, anything like that, uh, I want you guys to know that you still can be a spiritual father. Yolanda talked about being a spiritual mother last week. You guys can be a spiritual father too. You can be a spiritual father in, in the workplace, uh, living your life the right way, giving wisdom to the guys that are working around you. Uh, not only that, you can do it at something like City Youth. If you're looking to, to be a mentor and, and be a, show young people what it's like to be a good man of God, and they could, they could use it. As a matter of fact, Pastor Robbie will be right outside here underneath the canopy. And if you're interested in volunteering and giving these kids another great male role model in their lives, guys, go do that. It's something that would be incredible for you guys and a chance for you to be that spiritual father to someone in their life. And not only that, ladies, I'm going to be talking about a handful of schools that you guys can use too. So don't like check out and start thinking about, you know, whatever else is going on in your life and thinking about what you're going to eat for dinner. Just stay here. This is going to be all helpful for everybody that's here. Cool? Cool. So no matter who you are, you might only have one tool that you're really working with, right? You might just be the hammer guy. And in the mid-60s, in the world of psychology, that's how they dealt with mental illness was only with one actual tool. And, and uh, drug, actually, is what they used. You see, it didn't matter what kind of mental illness you walked in with. If it was diagnosed as a mental illness, they treated you the same way that they treated psychotic people. So if you were, like, depressed, they gave you the same medication that they gave the people that were hallucinating and going crazy. And that's just what it was. Uh, it, and it definitely wasn't the right thing. So another psychologist, Abraham Maslow, set out to change that. And in his book, The Psychology of Science, he explained to his community that there were better ways to treat patients. And this is what he had to say. This is the most famous thing he had to say in the entire book. I suppose it is tempting if the only tool you have is a hammer to treat everything as if it were a nail. This idea would later, be on, uh, would later go on to be known as the law of the instrument or Maslow's hammer. So what happens in our lives if the only tool that we carry around is a hammer? Well, according to Maslow, every problem looks like a nail. We just smash it, right? So let's look at some of the examples here, or go through a few examples. So let's say one of your kids is messing around in school. So you're, you drop the hammer on them, right? Grounded for a month. That's, that's probably the right thing to do. Um, but what about the next morning? Your kid's like trying to open up the cereal box but they can't do it and they start crying. You, don't, you walk in there and you go, you're grounded for a month, kid. Figure out how to open up the cereal while you're sitting in your room grounded. Like that's, that's not the, you know what I mean? Like you're using the same tool over and over again. That tool can't be the right way to do everything. And if we can use all the tools available to us, we can be better. And guys, I know you guys want to be better dads, be better parents, be better men in general. I know we can do this because if we get it right, we can make an even greater impact on our children's lives. We might even be able to help them turn into adults who actually help change the world. Which brings us to our big idea for today. With the right tools, a father 
can change the world. With the right tools, a father can change the world. So I want to give you guys some tools so you can be better fathers, so you can continue to change the world. So there are a lot of tools out there, and there are a lot of different strategies, and, and I could talk about this all day and all night without any problems, but for time's sake, I'm just going to go through a few. So let's start with the first tool. Back in the day, when you wanted to fix something and you didn't know how to fix it, you either had to have a buddy that knew how to fix what you were trying to fix or build what you were trying to build, or you sent off to Time Life and you got one of these. The complete fix-it-yourself manual. That's, that's what you did, right? So these days, it's a little bit different. We carry around our smartphones, we hook into our Wi-Fi, and we watch video tutorials. We just pull up YouTube, how to build a deck. Boom, it's taken care of and I know how to build a deck. Or I at least pretend I know how to build a deck. And that's what we do. We go out and we find the wisdom that we need to build these things. And in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is personified. And she calls out to the people that ch to chase after her. Because when you chase after wisdom and you achieve it, good things happen to you. And this is what wisdom had to say about listening to her. Choose my instruction rather than silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. So when it comes to being a dad, there are great books and YouTube channels and there are a lot of places that we can find good wisdom. But the one thing I'm going to talk about today is the, one of the best places you can get wisdom from are from fathers that you know, like different dads that are around you, particularly the dads that have gone through life and, and their kids are like out of the house already. They're going to have the best ideas for you because they've made the mistakes and they can tell you where they went wrong and they can help you not do the same thing. And not only that, they can tell you about all the great success that they've had and they can go, man, this is what I did and I got lucky and it worked out well. Maybe that's something that you can do too. So as a younger dad like myself, it's great to go and just pick these guys' brains. And not only that, if you're an older dad and you have kids that are out of the house, just seek some of us out and let us know great advice that you have because as a new dad, I'm, I'm willing to take it. I mean, I say new dad, he's two years old, but you know, I mean, that's still relatively new compared to that. And not only that, look at other dads who are like just a little bit in front of you because they probably just dealt with some problems that you're about to go into or you're currently dealing with and they, they are like, it's fresh in their minds. So guys, just be sure and have these conversations with one another because it can really help you. So the next tool that I wanna go through here is uh, this one. It's called a pry bar. It's like the crowbar's little brother. And what this is used for is you, you know, put it in there and you separate pieces of wood from each other. Normally it's like boxes that are nailed together. You rip them apart and open them up. You, you pry your way in there. Can, you can also pull out some nails uh, with it that are just kind of stubbornly in the wall. And we can actually see Jesus prying stuff open, prying people open, uh, in the New Testament, we see him talking to people. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, he's asked, he asks over 130 questions that are recorded. And it wasn't all sermons and proclamations and, and, any, and all that for Jesus. He actually spent a lot of time asking questions, particularly of the disciples. And, you, and he did it as a way to train them and teach them. And you see that in John 6. It says, Jesus saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, 
he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Now shortly after that, Jesus would perform one of his most famous miracles, and that was feeding over 5,000 people with those five loaves of bread and two fish. Now Jesus was teaching them something that day by asking questions. Not only that, he was getting to know them a little bit better. He was understanding where they were, how they were thinking, and how they were going to figure out this problem that was sitting in front of them. And after he could assess all that, he taught them that anything is possible so long as he is involved. So what are some ways you can get to know your kids better so you can teach them in a better way? I have three questions for you guys that will help you out immensely with doing that. The first one is, what are your favorite things? Biblically, there's scripture that says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. It's the same thing here. Where your favorite things are for your kids, that's exactly where their hearts are. So by learning that, we have a great idea of what they value. And we can jump on and encourage them and push them forward, or it might be something that's not great, and we can actually steer them away from it. The second question is, who are your best friends? Now with that, as adults, and, and we understand that the people that we hang out with say a lot about who we are. They speak a lot of who we are. So by understanding who their best friends are and knowing who those kids are and who those people are, we can get a good idea of who our kids are. So it's kind of good to see it like that. The third question is, what are you afraid of? It's the opposite of the first question. Seeing that, it's kind of the same thing. By seeing what they fear, by understanding what they're afraid of, you can either step in and help them or protect them, or not only that, you can look at them and say, hey, son or daughter, you probably actually need to steer directly into that fear because once you get through it, you're going to be okay. And no matter what, I got your back on this side of it. And in that, it kind of leads into our next tool which is the paintbrush. Now, the paintbrush is used to apply paint. Yeah, no, crazy, right? But you apply paint, and normally it's to add color to something. Now, when you add color to something, it can really help set it apart from other things. Let's use, we got a picture of a house right here that we'll use for an example. Now, this is a pretty, you know, normal reddish-brown brick house. You know, uh, it doesn't look bad, but that's what it is. Now, the owners decided to paint the brick, and then it looks like a completely new place. That's the same exact house, and it looks like two completely different things. That's the value of a paintbrush. And we see that concept at work in Jesus' life, at his baptism. In Matthew 3, it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Before Jesus preached his first sermon, gathered his team of disciples, or performed his first miracle, God the Father reassured his son 
that his pleasure in him was not tied to his performance. He let Jesus know that he loved him just for being his son. And it's the same thing with our kids, guys. We have the opportunity to paint our children with beautiful colors, regardless of what they're doing, just understanding who they are. Or we can just leave them unpainted and let them figure it out. It's much easier for us to just go ahead and give our kids that identity and understanding of who they are in our love. And as a dad, guys, it's easy to like cheer for the touchdown, right? Or the good grades, or just when your kid listens to you for the one time a week, right? But when was the last time our kids felt our approval apart from an accomplishment? It's our job to let our kids know that they are our children who we love and we're pleased with them. So do your best to find ways to cheer as loudly as you can for who your kids are as much as for what they do. Challenge yourself to affirm them in that way. Let them know that you will be there for them no matter what. And that kind of brings us to the next tool, which is this guy here, the caulking gun. Now, this is used to seal things and uh, create a barrier between stuff with the caulk. It puts it out there like that. So with the caulking gun, it's used from, on everything from windows to sinks. On a window, you know, you put it on there and it keeps the elements outside and away from your indoors. And it keeps all the cool and nice air or warm air in the, in the winter inside and it keeps you comfortable. Uh, when it comes to the restroom and the bathroom, when you put the caulk in, it goes ahead and you, it creates a barrier between the water and all the rest of the stuff. And it's really, really great way to do that. And in our relationship with God, it's the same exact thing, guys. He acts as a barrier between us and the rest of the world. He's a protector for us. In Psalm 27, it says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even, when I, even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. Now guys, that's protection, right? Imagine like walking outside and there being an entire army surrounding you. Like how much fear and anxiety would you have in that moment? But David here in his psalm, he's saying he's not worried about it at all. He's totally comfortable and confident that God will take care of him. And what was cool for me is I got to see something similar to that uh, in my own earthly father. One of the great things that he did our whole lives was be a fantastic protector. He was awesome. If anything was going to come against our family, it was going to have to go through him first, no matter how big or how small. Now, uh, just real quick, uh, my dad's actually here at this service. So real quick, you don't get to do it. Will you stand up, Dad, and just kind of everybody give him a round of applause for... So I've got a great story. Uh, a great example of this happened uh, when we were little. And I was, you know, maybe 10 years old. My little brother was like five. 
And we were hanging out uh, at this park, and we were all feeding the ducks and throwing bread and, and doing all this stuff and, you know, I mean, having a good time. Until, like, the king goose of the park started walking in. And, like, you know, it kind of walked in, like, with a strut. Like, it knew it was big and bad and way cooler than everybody else. It was, like, pushing up the other ducks out of the way. And it made its way all the way up to my little brother, who had some bread in his hand. And the goose just went up and just pecked it right out of my brother's hand. And, you know, that'll happen from time to time. You know, whatever. Well, after he got the bread, the goose continued to, like, peck at him and continued to peck at him. Well, my little brother starts crying because he's, you know, just a little kid. This goose is like as tall as he is. It was a big goose. And as he starts to cry, within like a second or two, my dad jumps in and goes to pick him up. And as he's picking him up, the goose is still like kind of poking at him. So in one move, my dad grabs my little brother, picks him up, and then punches the goose in the face. <laughs> punched a goose in the face. So, so the goose is stunned because that's the first time it's ever happened to him. There's no way anybody else has ever done that before. And he kind of shakes his head and, and is confused and then turns around and just walks away and doesn't bother us for the rest of the afternoon. And it was at that moment at that time that I realized, if it comes to your family, if you've got to punch some waterfowl in the face, well, you do what you got to do. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> so some practical ways for us to protect our family. Uh, I think the first one, and really the biggest one, is it's simple. Just pay attention, guys. Get off your phones, stop watching TV, stop thinking about your fantasy football team. When you're hanging out with your family, be with your family. Something about kids, they're like programmed to seek out all danger in the world. I don't know what it is about it, but that's just exactly what they do. So it's your job as a father to step in between them and the potential harm that might be coming to them in their life. And not only that, it's also good to just remind them, hey, if you need something, I'm here to protect you. I got your back, son. I got your back, daughter. Don't worry about it. Because then when the time does come and they actually are threatened for something, by something, then they run to you. And that's exactly what you want, to be able to step in and protect them. But it's not just physical protection that our kids need. Sometimes you have to protect them from themselves. And that's where discipline comes into play. Now, uh, for discipline, we're calling this the hammer, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Uh, you know, a hammer is a tool that normally delivers a blow to a nail uh, to connect it, uh, normally a piece of wood, to something else. And as parents, as fathers, we're using the hammer to connect wisdom to our children throughout their life. And in discipline, we want to be real careful with how we use that term because discipline is not, it is not punishment. Now punishment, it's a completely different thing. You see, with discipline, we're training our children to do the right things. 
in punishment, it's retribution. It's a reaction. It's, hey, you messed up. This is what you get. Discipline is focused on future behavior. Discipline is focused on getting our kids to be great adults who love God and chase after them. It's not about harping on what they did two weeks ago and how they're making the same mistake again right now. It's not that. It's punishment. And discipline is always for the child's benefit. It's never because you had a bad day at work or because you're mad at your significant other or because, like, you've got a headache, you know? It's never for that. The discipline is always for the child's benefit. Biblically, it says it like this in Ephesians 6. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, guys, I know this is a tough one because sometimes our kids know the exact buttons to push to, like, make our heads explode. My son's two years old, and he's already figured out that all the things that he can do to just make me go crazy. I don't, I don't understand how he's figured it out. I think his mom is helping him, but <laughs> he knows exactly what to do. And growing up, you know, I got my fair share of spankings, but you know what? It was something that I feel like I had coming to me because I was a mischievous child that got into all kinds of stuff. You can ask my parents about me like putting pennies in electrical sockets and stuff like that and shorting out the entire house. Uh, I, I, got, <laughs> I got exactly what was coming to me in a lot of that. But with that, I know a lot of us come from cultures of physical discipline, from physical punishment. And for some of us... Uh, it was a lot more than that. For some of us, we caught some beatings. Uh, gladly, I, I was not one of those kids. Um, but if you were, the first thing I want to tell you is that I'm sorry you had to go through that. I want you to know that what that parent did to you was not okay. And now that you're a parent, it's up to you to protect your child from that. Using the excuse, yeah, well, that's how I was brought up, is not good enough. It's up to you now to protect your kids. Remember, with your actions, with how you use this tool, it can change the world, and it can change it for the worse, too. So I know for some of you, you're like, okay, cool, I get it, but sometimes, you know, my kid just needs one, and I totally get that, and I'm not saying you should or should not do it. It's totally up to you and how you raise your kids. But if you're looking for a line to be drawn, I think the, a safe place to go is and say is if you're having to draw back and you're having to wind up, that's too far. We're adults. They're children. We have to stay in our right set, frame of mind and make sure that as we discipline our children, it's to make them better people. It's for their benefit. And that's the same way God disciplines us, right? Each and every sin that you have committed in your life is completely hell-worthy, goes against everything God has told us to do. But what does he do? We're forgiven for it, right? There's love behind all the discipline that we get from God. And that's the same thing that we need to do with our kids.
Now, what I'm not saying is just let your kids do what they want. Be graceful and let them run around crazy. That's actually the opposite of what I want from you guys. Because discipline is part of being a good Christ follower. What I am saying is that discipline has to be more than an immediate reaction of anger towards your child. It has to be done in a reasonable way. Now, remember, there are lots of ways for us to discipline our kids. But the one thing that they need to know throughout the entire thing is that you love them. Even after the consequence, even while they're crying, explain to them that you love them and you are pleased by them. That's what we want them to know. Now, for some of you here, you have older kids and you feel like you're kind of past the point of discipline working really well and you just don't know what to do. Now, for those of you that are in here that kind of feel like that, it, it brings us to our last tool uh, here in the tool bag, which is duct tape. <laughs> yeah, you guys laugh because you know when you don't know what to do when you're working on a project, you go, hey, hand me the duct tape. Let me just wrap this up. We're going to take care of it. And that's why your kitchen flooded the other day. But when it comes to being a parent, the duct tape is prayer. Because as a young dad, I don't know how many situations I've been in already where I'm going, I don't know what to do here. I've got no idea. How, how do we move forward? What's the right thing to do? Should he be eating solid foods already? Should we allow him to like, you know, watch a movie yet? You know, what, what, what kind of movie should we let him see? What kind of, you know, whatever. And all these questions, I, I don't have any idea what to do. So, you know, in those times, what I've done is just sat down and prayed. And really just in, in those times, what's been interesting is I haven't gotten like any clear words where God's like, all right, you can let him see Kung Fu Panda 3, but don't let him go see Zootopia because that's way far over the line. I haven't gotten anything like that. But in those moments, what I have gotten is a presence, God's presence and feeling him and knowing that he's there. And that alone is comfort. And what's been cool is being a new parent, I've gotten an incredible amount of insight of God the Father and who he is and how it is to love a child. Now, when my son Jude was really small, like a couple weeks old, he used to get gas, and he would get gassy. And so for those of you that know, uh, when babies get gassy, like it just ruins their life. It's the worst thing that's ever happened to them in that moment. And so he would cry and cry and cry, and eventually we got him some gas drops. And, but sometimes it took a little bit of time for them to kind of kick in, uh, so, you know, it could get frustrating and stressful. So one night, Jude has gas, and uh, I pick him up, and I just let Lauren know, hey, honey, you know, I'm going to just go ahead and take him to the other room, to our bedroom, and you rest, and, and I'll take care of the baby right now. And so in those moments, there's nothing I can do. You know, we, I gave him what he needed, and now all I can do is just sit there and comfort him. And not comforting him to, like, take away the pain, but just to let him know that he's my son and I love him and I got his back no matter what, right? And that's just, I think, how God does it for us. 
when we're going through trials and we're going through things, sometimes he can go in and just, boom, fix the situation. Or he can give us the medicine that we need that's going to take away the gas a little bit later, but it's going to take some time for it to kick in. But either way, he's sitting there with us, his arm wrapped around us, letting all of us know that he loves us, that he is pleased with us, that we are his children. And I know for some of you, you haven't gotten the chance to be a part of that family. You haven't gotten a chance to feel that love. And right now, I want to give you guys the opportunity to do just that. So if we could all just bow our heads in here and, and God, uh, if you're one of those people that just has never felt the full love of God and you've never accepted his son's sacrifice for you, I want you to go ahead and pray this with me right now or something like this just to yourself. Father, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for giving me the opportunity to be a part of your family. Thank you for the sacrifice you made for me through your son, Jesus. And right here, right now, the best way I know how, I accept it. I accept that he died on the cross for my sins. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me into your family. Thank you for being pleased by me. I love you. Amen. Now, if you came in here today and you need to deal with forgiveness, it, it was something that kind of popped in my head as, as I was praying and thinking about this service, uh, the forgiveness side of things. And I know for some of us, or for some of you in here, you grew up and you didn't have a great relationship with your parent or you feel like they might have overstepped their bounds in discipline or a handful of different things, whatever it is, you feel like you need to forgive your parent. Now, the other thing of forgiveness that was just kind of like on my heart was as parents, we got to forgive ourselves. None of us are perfect. We've failed our children in a lot of ways. I know I've got a little kid and I feel like I've already failed them in a handful of ways. But we need to be forgiving ourselves at the same time. So if you're one of those people, I, I guess let's just everybody bow and pray. And if you want to go ahead and pray this prayer along with me, uh, then go ahead and do that. Father, I ask that you would help me with forgiveness in my life. Right now, I want to let go of any anger that I have in my heart for my earthly parents. I know that you ask us to forgive others, so I'm doing the, that the best way I know how to right now by giving it to you. Also, Father, I ask that you would forgive me for all the ways that I have fallen short with my children. Please help me be the best parent I can be for my family. Give me the tools that can help raise a family to change the world. I love you so much. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.